Hello and welcome to the first in a series of urology podcasts by the School of Surgery. My name is Benjamin Baker, I'm an academic junior doctor and I'm here today with Mr Harry Rattan, a consultant urologist in Nottingham. This is the first of three podcasts about urological emergencies which you may encounter as a junior doctor or surgical trainee on SAU. Today we're going to talk about testicular torsion and acute epididymoalkitis. Thank you for joining us Mr Rattan. Pleasure. So let's start with testicular torsion. What would be a good definition? Well, I think in the simplest term, Ben, um, testicular torsion is twisting of the testis on its vascular pedicle. And this is a real problem because as the testis twists and along with the spermatic cord, the pampiniform plexus of veins that drain the testis become compressed. And this results in a build-up of venous pressure in the testis which eventually, if left unchecked, would impede the flow of arterial blood into the testis, resulting in ischemic and eventually a necrotic uh, testis. So how would they classically present? So most of these patients are younger boys or or men. I mean, the the classic age group is in adolescent boys and and young uh, adults. Um, The classic presentation is of very sudden, severe... Um, testicular pain, most usually unilateral, often accompanied by nausea and vomiting. The history of the onset of the pain is crucial, as in torsion it's usually minutes uh, to a couple of hours as opposed to to hours or days, um, as it might be with an infective process. So if I see a patient like this on SAU, are there any investigations I should be ordering? Well, I think Just quickly returning to clinical examination, it's often difficult because patients are in excruciating pain and often won't allow the doctor to examine them properly. Occasionally, if you can examine them, you might see that the non-affected contralateral testis hangs in the so-called bell clapper configuration where the testis is orientated along its horizontal axis as opposed to a vertical axis and this is said to predispose the, the testis to twisting. However, the affected testis is usually withdrawn towards the the inguinal uh, canal by a very powerful cremasteric reflex, uh, or cremasteric spasm, I guess. Um, And often it's impossible to to palpate the testis itself because it's so painful. In terms of imaging, um, some people advocate organising an ultrasound scan with Doppler flow studies, particularly to look at the arterial flow into the testis. It's a bit controversial and quite often there's a bit of a time delay in organising the investigation. Some would, would argue that it's not definitive and I think um, most urologists nowadays would still um, prefer if testicular torsion is strongly suspected to take the patient straight to theatre where the diagnosis can be made definitively. The advantage of this approach is that it avoids time delays and in torsion, time is crucial and may make the difference between a necrotic and a salvageable testis. Sure. Um, there is something I have read, actually, about something called manual detorsion of the testes. Has that ever worked in your experience? Yes, it's the kind of thing that you read about in, in textbooks. In my personal experience, I've never seen it successfully uh, used, so I, I, would, I would avoid it, really. OK, so you've taken the patient to theatre... What are the possible outcomes of that? Sure, well, in terms of the operation itself, the patient has to be consented um, for a scrotal expiration, usually under a general anaesthetic, and they have to be consented for either fixation of both testes, if it is a torsion, 
or indeed excision of a necrotic torted testis. I usually approach um, the testis through a midline incision and once the affected testis is delivered it can be inspected for its colour which gives some idea to, of, of its viability. Usually slightly ischemic testes look a little bit pale or even bluish and the first thing to do is detort the testis and wrap it in a warm saline gauze and leave it for a few minutes. Now it'll either pink up and look healthy at which point you know that you've saved the testis and you can then fix it um, to the dartos muscle using typically non-absorbable sutures uh, passed through the tunica albuginea of the testis anchoring the, the testis to the, the dartos and it's also vital to then go ahead and fix the other non-torted testis as it's at risk of torsion in the future. If the affected testis um, is black and fails to, to recover after detorsion, then most urologists would advocate um, an immediate orchidectomy as you risk uh, subsequent infection in a necrotic testis if it's left in situ. Again, whatever you do with the affected testis, it's important to fix the other one. The third scenario is that the testis isn't torted and, and the most likely other diagnosis is epidemorchitis. And if this is the case, then the testis is merely replaced and the scrotum is carefully closed up again. Sure. Okay. Should we move on to talk a bit about epididymorchitis now then? So do you have a, do you have a definition of that? So epididymorchitis is usually an infective process involving the epididymis and the, and the testis. Um, it's an, an interesting condition because the etiology appears to, to vary a lot according to the patient demographic. So in younger patients, not to generalise mind, but in younger patients, the usual causative organism is, is chlamydia or uh, a gonococcus. In older patients, particularly in, in more senior chaps and particularly those with recent urethral instrumentation and catheters, um, the usual causes and underlying um, urinary tract infection. The mechanism of infection is usually retrograde passage of, of the infecting organism up the vas deferens, hence the epididymis is usually involved first and the infection may then spread to involve the testis as well. How does its presentation differ from a torted testis? Well, again, the, the clues are usually in the history. So number one, the patient usually reports a more gradual onset of pain, usually over the course of several hours to maybe even a few days of gradually worsening discomfort. They often have some features of the primary infection. So, for example, if it's an STI, they may report penile discharge or urethral itching or discomfort. And if it's a UTI, they often have symptoms of cystitis. They may also um, report systemic symptoms, particularly if, if it's a very severe infection. Um, so th these are very uh, distinct from the way that torsion presents in terms of both timing and the, and the presence of other features. Sure. And um, are there any microbiological investigations that we should do? Sure, so if a urinary tract infection is suspected as being the primary causative uh, organism, then an MSU should be sent. Um, and if an STI is suspected, then the patient should be screened for the most common STIs, which are chlamydia and, and gonococcus. So urethral swabs or urine uh, PCR um, can be performed. 
Sure. And um, is there a role for antibiotics in, in the condition? So antibiotics clearly are the, uh, are the cornerstone of treatment. Um, the testis is a slightly tricky place for antibiotics to, to get to, and, and bacteria often um, can persist. So rather than the short course of antibiotics, as would traditionally be used for urinary tract infection in epidermorchitis, the course of antibiotics is often prolonged for up to two weeks. So local guidelines um, are followed, but in general terms, um, as long as the patient isn't systemically unwell, then a course of oral antibiotics can be used, and particularly good antibiotics to use are ciprofloxacin for a UTI um, and doxycycline for sexually transmitted infections. Now, the one important point I'd make is that if you have got a very septic patient with an obvious epidermorchitis, then it's absolutely vital that you exclude the presence of a scrotal abscess, which can be a complicating feature of, of epidermorchitis. And the way to do this is to organise an urgent ultrasound scan, uh, which will be diagnostic. And if there is an abscess, then it's unlikely that um, antibiotics on their own will be effective. And this is an indication for consideration of surgical drainage followed by antibiotics. Okay, so just to summarise what we've talked about then, we've covered torsion and epidemiochitis in mm -hmm. the first of this series on urological emergencies. Um, Mr Rattan, thank you very much for joining us. And in the next podcast, we'll look at more urological emergencies that you might encounter on SAU. Thank you.